You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time, fires down the middle. Got his man, Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks, joined today by Aaron Johannes from Seahawks.com. Hi, Jen. Hi, Aaron. Don't you have a fancy word for us? You know what? I do. I'm sorry. Salam, Jen. It's not a fancy word. It's, it's a word that a word I don't in often another language. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> Bonjour, John Boyle from Seahawks.com. That doesn't sound nearly as good coming from me, does it? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I'll, yeah, I'll well. just go with hello. All right. Well, and hello to all the 12s out there who are listening. Hopefully you had a great Christmas and you're gearing up for a fun New Year's as we ring in 2018. And with the Seahawks, boy, they could end 2017 with a 10th win. It would mark six straight season of 10 wins. They could also find themselves in the playoffs Let's take a look at what has to happen and what did happen, John, to even get us to this point in the first place. Because a couple weeks ago, boy, did it seem like this was a long shot. And now it feels like the team's knocking on the door. Yeah, it looked pretty bleak after the loss of the Rams, both because of just how they lost that game and also just all the scenarios. But the good news is things kind of shook out fairly well. There's a couple more things that could have gone their way. But you got, you know, A, most importantly, Seahawks took care of their own business, got back on track, got a win. But then they got a little bit of help. They got that loss from Atlanta. They got a loss from Detroit. So now it's pretty simple. Win your game, and then you need the Panthers to beat Atlanta for you. Um, Unfortunately, there exists a scenario where they win a 10th game again and don't get in. But uh, we'll just uh, hope. Hope the Panthers can help out a little bit. But to me, and you're right, and that would be a bummer, to get all the way to this point to win the game, to knock it into the playoffs, except that to me, the way that they won in Dallas last week, and Aaron, you know that you were watching from a different perspective, that to me in and of itself was more important than what happens this week. And I know you want to go out on a win. You, you certainly want to do it after what Bruce Arian said, which we'll get into in just a little bit. But to me, seeing them bounce back from the Rams game and doing what they did against the Cowboys, that was that was the way they needed to get some momentum to finish the season. Yeah, and you look at how many points they gave up to the Rams at home, um, and that was such a, a devastating loss for them. To go into Dallas and to basically have a great bounce back uh, win led by their defense, who had three, turn- three turnovers, uh, Byron Maxwell had arguably the play of the day, and um, they got a little bit more of their pass rush going as well, which is good. So I think overall the defense had a really great performance coming into Dallas on the road. To bounce back like that after the week before was really huge for them too. And I think it just goes to show again that this Seahawks team, they are resilient. There is something to the way they respond to adversity because, look, everything was shaping up to favor Dallas in that game. The odds makers favored Dallas. Every single – analyst and expert who I saw make a pick in that game, picked Dallas to win that game. They had Zeke back. They had Dak Prescott. And yet, I think what we're seeing is it is hard to finish games in December, which if we bring it back to the playoff conversation, boy, Atlanta is going to have a tough task against the Panthers this week, and they're going to have to finish, and it is not the same position that they were in last year where they just cruised into the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they were the kind of the hot team pretty much all year last year and got that one seed and everything else so 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the the thing that maybe works against the Seahawks is that the Falcons are an experienced team with that sure. postseason. You don't you don't look at them playing; they're at home. You don't look at them probably being a team that the moment's too big for them or anything like that. But you know, Carolina's a good team; and they have a lot to play for as well. So I, I think that's probably going to be a that'll be a stressful one for the Seahawks fans, yes. I imagine, because I don't see either one of those teams running away with it. No, I wouldn't think so. And you mentioned there is a lot on the line for both teams. We are not looking for most teams in the NFC who are in the playoff hunt to rest players because there's still a lot of positioning left um, to be decided. And Carolina's playing for potentially a number two seed, number two seed, and a first round bye. So they're they're going to give it everything they've got against the Falcons. And I know that they're an experienced team. But Atlanta's back's against the wall. And this is a rivalry game. And as a few of the guys in the locker room pointed out to me, there's going to be an awful lot of Panthers fans there. It doesn't matter where this game is being played. And the good thing, too, for Seattle, at least, is that they're the only team left in the NFC wildcard contention right now. It's not like, you know, they're fighting with Detroit or anything like that, too. So that also helps them just being the only team that's fighting for a playoff spot and helping their scenarios as well, too. Absolutely. And it's going to mean for, uh, make for a lot of scoreboard watching John, be honest. How much are you going to watch the scoreboard? The oh, scores? I'll have I'll be in the press box with my laptop up, and I'll have the score pretty much up the whole. I'll have tweet deck going. That'll be updating me. I'll have I'll be toggling back and forth. I'll be very aware of what's going on in that game. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be aware of it too. But I I was thinking about this earlier this week. Like if I was a player, how hard? I mean, a lot of guys are going to, of course, some some guys say they just don't want to look at it at all, and it's going to be tough to do that. But like. I don't know, if you were a player, would you want to see the score like during the game? Because I know I'm going to be in the zone, and I don't want to see it at all. But it's it's kind of hard to do that in 2017. It's probably easier for players than anyone else in that building, though. So, I mean, they've got so much going on. The, the league prohibits them from having their phones out on the sideline or anything. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, word will probably trickle out. They're going to be in the locker room at halftime. Yeah. You know, fans might react if a score gets shown, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So, yeah. um, you know, I go back to a different scenario, but two years ago, the Seahawks knew exactly in the last game at Arizona, they knew exactly how many points they could give up and get the defensive scoring title again, like down to the point. So some guys will find out. Some guys will know. Some guys will just say, hey, I don't want to know. I just want to play my game. Pete Carroll talked about that. Like, look, they should have the same motivation every week. And it doesn't, you know, yes, they need help, but it doesn't really do them any good. It, it can really only be a distraction to go into the game thinking about other teams and other scenarios. Because it's all completely moot if they can't take care of Arizona. That's exactly right. And um, Arizona has been a tough opponent for the Seahawks, so much so that Bruce Arians said that CenturyLink provides Arizona with home field advantage because Arizona's won three of the last four at CenturyLink Field. And, John, the Seahawks have lost just nine home games over the last five seasons. Now, we know that three of those have come this year. Three of them have also been against Arizona. So I don't know what it is about Bruce Arians. I don't know what it is about this Cardinals team. But this matchup, while you look at the overall record and you think, well, the Seahawks should be able to have this in hand because they're arguably healthier than the Cardinals are at this point in time, I don't. I don't think that that's the way this one's going to go either. No, for sure. I mean, we talk about it with division games all the time. These teams, the way they know each other, know what each other are doing, they tend to be tight games. And then, you know, even though the matchups might favor the Seahawks, the fact that Arizona has had success here, that can give them a little psychological advantage of coming in where most teams come to Seattle and think it's so hard to win here. And they think about the crowd noise and all different things. And, you know, look, it'll help a lot of those guys to know – that they've succeeded here. So, you know, I still like 
you know, a lot of the matchups favor the Seahawks, but it's I'd be pretty surprised if we're comfortable in the fourth quarter with this one. Were you surprised by what Bruce Arians said? Can't say I really am. I mean, he's never been one to to filter a lot. And, you know, in his defense, he was saying that in the locker room. The audio got out on, you know, he, he says he didn't know that that was being recorded. And, you know, coaches maybe say different things in front of their team and their players than they would want to say in front of the media. But Bruce has never been a guy to sugarcoat things. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Aaron, did it bother you what he said? No, not really. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really like look into it as much. So I was just like, you know what, it's – it's fine. I mean, you're gonna have the, you're supposed to have confidence as a coach to say that, so it's fine with me. Well, and the Cardinals for having a sub 500 record, a win for Arizona this week would bring them at 500. But here's the thing. Their run defense has looked a lot better. In fact, this team has looked a lot better in the last five games. They've held opponents less than 91 yards on the ground during the stretch, and that includes games against Jacksonville and against the Rams, which we know – both have great running games, and the last three opponents have made it just 139 yards on the ground, and Arizona also uh, holding those opponents to under 303 total yards. So what really can we expect from the matchups? Yeah, I mean, the, the Seahawks obviously have struggled a little bit on offense these last few games, so they, they need to clean a lot up if they're going to succeed uh, moving the ball against, as you said, the a defense is playing very well of late. Uh, you know, to me, when I look at what the Seahawks need to do offensively, you know, getting some good drives together would be great, but the biggest thing might just be taking care of the ball. That Arizona defense has been forcing a lot of takeaways. They have a great pass rush. They sacked Russell Wilson five times in the last game. And, you know, we saw a great example of last week's game. If the Seahawks defense gets turnover and the offense just, you know, does enough, that can work sometimes. And maybe this is that type of game. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But you can't be giving the ball away against a defense like that. No, and you know what? Arizona, they're – they have had a problem giving the ball away in the last few games. They've had two turnovers in each of their last five games. So you're right. If you get the defense involved in there, the offense can do just enough. Aaron, speaking of the offense doing just enough, what was the number that surprised you the most when you looked at that box score from the Dallas game? You know what? I was surprised just by how much they had on total in total offense. Um, you know, you look at the net yards, they had 136, and on the road, that wasn't, that's not, a, I mean, like John mentioned, if the defense is getting turnovers and the offense can do enough to win, that's that's good, but um, you definitely want to see more production for them as a total on offense, and you look at the running game, I mean, they got Thomas Rawls going a little bit, um, you know, he had a big 15-yard run, which is pretty nice to see, but, um, you know, they also want to get Mike Davis going again, and they want to also get uh, Russell Wilson to pass the ball a little bit more and get... Because um, he only passed uh, for 93 yards in that game. So um, I just look at that number, the total yards. You definitely want to up that up a little bit more, um, especially against Arizona's defense at home. So that's the number that I look at. And how much do you put that on the fact that the defense did make so many big plays? I mean, in some ways, it's like the Rams game a couple of weeks ago in favor of the Rams, right? Because their scoring drive started, you know, at midfield or beyond. They didn't need to rack up a whole lot of offensive yards. How much do you put on the fact that the defense made big plays versus there is something that has slipped with either Russell or the receivers or the offense as a whole? I think it's both because, look, when we've seen a lot of times when the offense struggles, they kind of get going, they find their way, they throw it around, and Russell gets going. They didn't need to do that in the second half. They had a two-score lead for that half. They were running the ball. So, I, you know, I think if they had needed to turn it on and put up some more yards and points, we might have seen that out of them. Um, and, you know, as you said, you know, they 
a pick six basically takes away possession from the offense. They got the short field. And Dallas was running the ball well in the first half, which takes up clock. So there were scenarios that kind of factored into that. But, look, the offense, uh, I said this earlier, but they've they've struggled. Really, it's three games going now other than part of that second half against Jacksonville, whether it was the turnovers in Jacksonville or just kind of getting behind things, you know, getting behind the chains in, in, against Los Angeles. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think when you see these struggles, you can't just put it on one guy. But, you know, everybody can be better from, from Russell to the running game, the line. I mean, that, his pass catchers, they, they can all clean some stuff up, and I think they're going to need to this week from what we've seen out of Arizona. Russell had 60 total yards passing against the Cowboys, 71 the week before against the Rams. And Pete Carroll said this week, that he has not played his best football the last couple of weeks, which we can all see when you look at the box scores, right? But did it surprise you to hear Pete say that? Uh, not not as much as it maybe would have a couple of years ago. I think we've seen as, as Russell's gotten a little more, you know, an older quarterback and a little more established, and they feel like, you know, maybe early in a quarterback's career, you're kind of more worried about protecting them. But, Look, he's you know he's one of the longest tenured guys on that offense. He's a leader. He's the highest paid guy. The expectations are high on him, and you know he hasn't been. We were talking about him as you know MVP candidate after that Philly game, and he's been playing really well. And he, he hasn't been that player the last few weeks, and they they're going to need more out of him. Yeah, and I'm wondering too how much it is just other people not having the same attention to detail, right? Because Doug Baldwin said that this week. You know, we needed to make sure that we were doing what we were supposed to do, and and some of these things were slipping. And he didn't say who it was, but I wonder how much of that has come into play. And I also wonder, because Russ talked this week about Arizona bringing pressure, and you mentioned how many times he's been sacked by the Cardinals. I believe when they played in Week 10, Dwayne Brown was newly acquired. Yeah. And was not at 100% for that game. Yeah, he had the ankle injury. He had the ankle injury and went out. So having had him more weeks with this team, because Russell said, look, sometimes we're just not picking up the blitz. How different does that feel with Dwayne Brown and Luke Jokel in that game? I mean, it should help. That was kind of right when they were starting to get the current line we've been seeing for over a month now. That was when that group was just starting to form. Now they've had time under their belt. That helps communicate. When you talk about a blitz, you know, some of it's just winning your battles, but a lot of it is just no one recognizing what's coming and everybody getting the job done right. And that's where that continuity of, you know, you finally have the same group together. I think it's six weeks. That that and just a healthier Dwayne Brown should make a difference, but it's not – I mean, it's never easy against that defense. No, although I, I do really like what I saw from Mike Davis last week. I think he picked up the blitz at least once against the Cowboys. He had another couple where he, he managed to chip his guy enough to get Russell a few yards and a first down on one of those. So that, I think, is huge. And if you're also looking at this game, Drew Stanton is going to be quarterbacking for the Cardinals – we talked a little bit about how Dallas was forced out of their game plan in the second half of the game because the defense was so good. Aaron, you've lobbied for Bobby Wagner's defensive player of the year before, but did we finally see the true impact of Bobby and KJ? And I know this sounds weird because they've played together <laughs> a lot, but did we finally see what their true impact is together? I think we kind of did, and I think Pete said this week that Bobby has felt now the best he's felt in a little while, which is really good to hear. Um, and I think you definitely saw that the impact that both of them brought. I mean, KJ obviously had the, an interception. That was the second interception of his career. And then um, just look at the plays that he made the entire game, just sniffing off screens and different tackles and the contributions that he made on third downs and whatnot. 
Um, and then, you know, just having Bobby back there as a communicator and 100% was also big as well. So I definitely do think we did see their impact a little bit more um, with them back together. And I think they both – I mean, obviously KJ had a concussion, but, you know, getting Bobby back to more full speed than he was before was also – I'm um, pretty big uh, jump for them too. It's so interesting when they're at full speed on the field, it feels like everything slows down on the sidelines. It, it's not frenetic or frantic. You know, when they come off the field and they're going over what happened, because that's where I'm standing, right? It doesn't matter which position group is coming off. I'm standing and I, I'm trying to look and read the body language and figure out what's going on. And boy, it didn't look like they were talking hardly at all in that game in Dallas. But I know that it was just because it was more concise because all Bobby had to do was say one thing and KJ just had to say another. But it was just at a different kind of pace. Not that they weren't urgent in getting the job done. It was just kind of interesting. It was like all was right with the world. Well, yeah, and that's <laughs> I mean that's what you get when you play 6 years together. It's they it's it's calmer. They they communicate so well. It doesn't require it just as much verbal communication. It can be quick gestures, hand signals, whatever. And it, you know, we've seen the Seahawks play without one or the other at times over the years, but when you lose both of those guys or you're missing KJ and Bobby's just not right. Like that it just only compounds itself when it's two of them. And you factor in all the other guys. Pete Carroll talked about this earlier in the week, but it's one thing to just be missing those guys, but when you're missing Cam Chancellor, you're missing Richard Sherman, you already have these veteran guys, Cliff Averill, not in there. Those guys, their importance only gets magnified. And it's, you know, the unfortunate thing about football and probably sports in general is you don't always appreciate how important or how good someone is till they're not on the field. We saw with Earl Thomas last year. I mean, we've all known for years and years and years that Earl Thomas is one of the best safeties on the, in the game, one of the most important players on the defense. But you have to actually see, you know, six, seven games with no Earl Thomas. Right? like, oh, okay, that guy is a true difference maker. And it's very similar with KJ and Bobby this year. And that is going to dovetail into the final talking point for today's Seahawks Insider podcast. And it actually isn't about the Seahawks. It's about Larry Fitzgerald. Because talking about a guy that you might not fully appreciate until he's gone, look, I think everybody around the league appreciates Larry Fitzgerald. It could be his last game as a Cardinal. He's indicated that he may or may not, you know, he's kind of wishy-washy as to what he's going to do next year. I have appreciated watching him. I've appreciated what he's meant to Seahawks players. But I know that I'm not the only one, guys. Yeah, I mean, I, part of me almost is mad at Larry Fitzgerald because he's too likable for oh a division rival. Like, you, you you have these division rivals and you want to, like, oh, I hate that guy. It's like, he is just both the way he plays and the way he carries himself. And, you, I mean, you never hear a bad story about him. I remember Richard Sherman early in his career talking about how that's, like, kind of the one guy he doesn't talk trash to. You know, they've become good friends. Doug Baldwin talked at length today about kind of the impact he's had on his career. And it's just – you know, he is just – he plays the game so well, and it's – I don't know. He's just – he's been a pleasure to watch. And, uh, you know, he, he's got 100 catches and 1,000 yards. I just – I don't I don't know why he'd retire yet because he's no. sure getting it done. He's it's, got the fourth highest reception total of his career, which is impressive. He's got to be the most likable three different division. quarterbacks this year. Yeah. He's got to be the most likable division opponent uh, – player on a division opponent, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I think from this division easily. I mean, I – I personally have a lot of respect for Larry Fitzgerald. Like as a receiver, just in terms of like his production and just what he's done for the, like the position itself, and just watching his craft. 
I must remember that playoff run he had years ago. Oh, when uh, they were the Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. yeah, that was an historic run to watch. And just watching that and just looking at his production just over the last few years uh, with the, the quarterbacks that Arizona has had. They've switched a lot of quarterbacks. They have had a lot. Not just this productive. year, but yeah. You're right. Yeah, and he's just in his he's his production. Um, I mean, his numbers have been impacted a little bit, but his production in general has never fallen off. And then they asked him to switch to a slot receiver, and it's still the same guy. It's just it's just amazing to just watch what he's done for the position the last few years. Yeah, and having said that, I I would be okay if he doesn't have a catch. Sure. Yep. Good luck it's, with that. But yeah, I know, I know. I know. It's, that hasn't happened in a while. But, um, yeah, we do wish the best to Larry Fitzgerald as an individual, not, of course, to the Cardinals on Sunday because the Seahawks need to get a win against Arizona. They need a little bit of help. That would come in the form of the Carolina Panthers. So whether you like the Panthers or not, everybody will be cheering for Carolina because that's the only way that the Seahawks can get into the playoffs. Regardless, we will be joining you again next week as we uh, – as we talk more Seahawks football, we're just going to leave it at that. We are going to join you next week and talk more Seahawks football. Yeah, that works. All right, perfect. On the Seahawks Insider Podcast, we'll talk to you later.